Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. This is a time in our service where we are going to hear the Word of God. We're going to take some time to read through the passage that we're going through today. And then when we're done reading through this, what I would have you do um, is pray with the person next to you about what we've just read. And that God would speak to us this morning, that we would... We would know him better and learn what he wants us to learn from him today. And uh, I'd also like to ask you to to actively participate in reading this. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the Holman Christian Standard. Actively listen. Uh, I know one of the hardest things to do is when someone's reading something is to actually listen to what's being said. Uh, It's very easy to be distracted, but I want to ask us to take this moment and to focus and um, really participate with me this morning. So we're reading from 1 Corinthians 15, and we're starting verse 35, and we're going to read through 49. But someone will say, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they have when they come? Foolish one. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as, and as for what you sow, you are not sowing the future body, but only a seed, perhaps of wheat or another grain. But God gives it a body as he wants. And to each of the seeds its own body. Not all flesh is the same flesh. There is one flesh for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and yet another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is different from that of the earthly ones. There is a splendor of the sun, another of the moon, and another of the stars. For one star differs from another star in splendor, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. Sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth and made of dust. The second man is from heaven. Like the man made of dust, so are those who are made of dust. Like the, man, the heavenly man, so are those who are heavenly. And just as we have borne the image of the man made of dust, we will also bear the image of the heavenly man. Let's take a second and pray with the person next to you. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we get to be here and uh, that we get to worship together. Father, we want to be in tune with you. Uh, Father, you you are the objective. You are like our whole goal, Father, is to, to be reunited with you someday. And, uh, Father, we, we really want to know you. And uh, I pray, Father, that you would help us to remove and that you would remove any obstacles, uh, help remove the blinders or remove the scales from our eyes so that we will really see what you want us to see this morning. Father, I pray that uh, we would know you better. 
And uh, Father, we have so much to be grateful for, and we just want to say thank you this morning. Uh, Father, we love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm back. Round two. You know, you guys thought you got rid of me last week. Here I am uh, still. We, what have we been talking about? All right. We've been going through um, a series called uh, Renew. That's kind of like renewal has been our theme. But then we've also been going through the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, hopefully, this is something where you guys have been following along. That It hasn't been. You're just waiting for Sunday to come along before you realize uh, or figure out what the next little bit is going to be. Um, but we're getting close to the end. We're in chapter 15. If you want to start turning over there now, that'd be great. Um, but what's going on? Chapter 15, we've already spent two weeks in chapter 15, and we've got this week and next week still to go for chapter 15. There's a lot of meat and substance in here, and uh, we're talking about the resurrection. Paul is trying to describe to people what the good news is, and he wants to clarify what the gospel is, and so he's diving into the resurrection. But before we jump in, how did last week go? I mean, like, have, have you guys, did you wrestle any beasts this week? Was it, um, did you even figure out what your beast was? Maybe you start and you're feeling a little sore, you know, maybe a little tired. Did you have some victories? Maybe some defeats? Hopefully you guys started diving into that and wrestling and, and kind of navigating faithfully. All right, what are those things in my life that are separating me, that are like contributing to the junk of this world? Hopefully you took some time to dive into that. Hopefully you took some time to meditate on what our real hope is. Because like I said last week, this world is hopeless. Like, not only are we all contributing to the junk, but at the end of the day, our life is just longing. You know, there's this emptiness that will never get filled. We can, you know, what did I say? We'll eat, but in an hour we're hungry. You know, that's the nature of this life. But there's a place that's better. There's a, there's, God wants us to go back to how he originally designed it at, at the very beginning of the Bible. And actually, I just want to take a second. I read in Revelations, but I, I read this to the musicians this morning. And I want to read this to you. I want to just, as we dive in, remind us, what is our hope? What can we look forward to? And I'm going to read out of Isaiah 65. And uh, this is a poem. This is 17 through 25. And it says, For I will create a new heaven and a new earth. The past events will not be remembered or come to mind. Then be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I will create Jerusalem to be a joy and its people to be a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will no longer be heard in her. In her, a nursing infant will no longer live only a few days, or an old man not live out his days. Indeed, the youth will die at a hundred years, and the one who misses a hundred years will be cursed. People will build houses and will live in them, they will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build and others live in them. And they will not plant and others eat. For my people's live lives will be like the lifetime of a tree. My chosen ones will fully enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor without success or build children or bear children <laughs> destined for disaster. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord along with their descendants. Even before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. 
And the lion will eat straw like the ox, but the serpent's food will be dust. They will not do what is evil or destroy on my entire holy mountain, says the Lord. Amen. That's awesome. And what's, what's he talking about there? The time, like, the use will live a hundred years. That's, that's just going to be like Lyra. Like, you'll still be, uh, at a hundred, you'll still be young. You know, like, that's the idea that this idea of babies dying when they're infants, that goes away. The cursed people are the ones that don't live for eternity. You get the idea that, that we'll get to eat our, make our, uh, what is it, bake our cake and eat it too? You know, it's like you, the things that we build we'll actually get to enjoy. The fruit that we plant we won't have to give away or it won't be stolen. You know, it's awesome. We will enjoy the labor that we put in. Man, that's a blessing. And those scary things, you know, you think about all the evil and the destruction, the things that cause evil. You think about the serpent from the beginning. What's he going to enjoy? Dust. He gets to enjoy dirt while the rest of us are enjoying the fruits of our labor. You know, uh, the, the lion will eat, eat straw just like the ox. These predators will no longer be predators. The things in this life that we fear He'll be gone. And those are, that's what we get to hope in. No more longing, only fulfillment. I don't think I, like, I can't even really understand what that means because that's so ingrained in who we are. We are always longing for the next thing. But I think the big point that we, we talked about last week is we can't be ignorant about who God is. We have to know God. We have to understand who he is or we won't be able to enjoy that. You know, and if we don't really know who God is, the idea of what I just talked about may not make sense or it may not be something that you even want to go do. Yeah. Yeah. We need to know who God is. So the very first line, but someone will say, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they come back with? And I think that that's like, initially, that's, I think, where we all go first. Paul says, hey, that's a foolish question. Those are like, somebody with understanding doesn't really jump in at those places. But I think that that's like, we all really want to know what, what comes next. What is it going to look like? You know, I don't understand what resurrection of the dead actually is, like, I can't tell you the science behind it. I can't say that this thing happens and then that thing happens. But I know that we there's this aspect of like, I want to be able to touch it and hold it and like, like figure it out. And then if I could do that, then yeah, I'd really believe. But we know Jesus talked about that that's not really the case. You know, there are some things that we need to wrestle with. But I, like, I, I need us to know that like, I need us to like think about this because the way we understand heaven is probably not right. I think we've all have like come from a lot of different backgrounds and we all have these ideas about what comes after this life. And it's really easy to push those ideas onto what Paul's trying to teach us here. To try and say, this is what heaven is like and and we're trying to shove that square peg in the round hole. And what I'd, what I'd like us to do is to, to, to approach this from a, a place of humility where we're, we're seeking to learn because none of us knows, none of us really understands. And I'll tell you, after we read all this stuff, you'll probably, probably still have a ton of questions. You're probably not going to be like, I've got it now. This is perfect. Um, but we've got to... We've got to go in to learn from, from this and not to push our preconceptions on here. So last week I tried to kind of like verbalize what our hope might be. But I, there's a video that kind of explains it a little bit better. And what I'd like to do is take a second for us to watch this video. And this might set the stage a little bit better for what we can expect. 
So if you'll play that for us. So this of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here, there's trees, rivers, mountains. But my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're, they're different in their nature, but here's what's really interesting. is that In the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die. But this idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is kind of crazy, because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart, and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning, where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping. Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity well together perfectly, no separation, and, and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world themselves. But as humans, we wanted to do things a different way. We wanted God out, we wanted to create a world apart from him. Yeah, so we have these two spaces now. And the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a clear distinction. So you said that these spaces can overlap, though. So Explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples. Because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth uh, overlap. Now, there are two types of temples described in the Bible. One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by Moses. And the other was this massive building made by Solomon. And these temples were decorated with fruit trees and flowers and images of angels and all kinds of gold and jewels and so on. And these are designed to make you feel like you're going back to the garden. And at the center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was like the hot spot of God's presence. Now we can go and be with God again. But not so fast, because the temple also creates a problem. So God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice beauty, but human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results. So how do these spaces overlap if they're so different and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this? Yeah, the, the idea is this. Animal sacrifices, somehow they absorb the sin when the animal dies in your place, and it creates a clean space so to speak, where you are now free to enter into the temple and be in God's presence. Okay, so if I'm an Israelite and I live in Jerusalem, I might be able to be in God's presence. But you said the story of the Bible is all of heaven and earth reunited. Right, so we have to keep going in the story where we come to Jesus in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of John, we hear this claim that God became human in Jesus and made his dwelling among us. Now this word dwelling is really curious. Literally, it means he set up a tabernacle among us. And so what John is claiming right here is that Jesus is a temple. He is now the place where heaven and earth overlap. What's interesting about Jesus is that he isn't staying in this safe, clean space. He's running around hanging out with sinners. He's healing people of their sicknesses and forgiving people of their sins. Basically creating little pockets of heaven where people can be in God's presence, but he's doing it out there in the middle of the world of sin and death. And he keeps telling everyone the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he even told his followers to pray regularly that God's kingdom come and that his will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. But a lot of people are threatened by Jesus and they kill him, which seems to spoil this whole plan to reunite heaven. But we, we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple. He's also talked about as being a temple sacrifice. Yeah, so, so the cross is now placed Jesus absorbed sin to create clean space that is not limited by animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice. 
this is all really great, but it leaves one big question in my mind, which is, what happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's face to be with Jesus? Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament, we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die, but that is not the focus of the Bible story. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation, we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's face and his face completely overlap once again. All right, so is it perfectly clear now? Does uh, <laughs> I can sit down now, right? Um, no, what's crazy is this might disrupt how you think about what to expect in things to come, or even what, how you think Christianity is supposed to react in this world. And uh, I think that that's something we need to all spend some time wrestling with and, and praying about and doing some studying on. Because I, I know for myself, studying this chapter has been revolutionary in my understanding of what to expect, what my role is, who God is, what does he really want. And um, man, I, I, I really really implore you to to dive in there study out what what paul is talking about the resurrection and and what our role is because there is something great waiting for us but it starts here it starts right now and that there's work to be done here and so let's let's dive in because paul is he is um he's trying to this, these questions weren't actually asked, but he's like making an argument. He says, some of you guys will say, uh, the dead are, uh, how are the dead raised and what kind of body? And you got to think, he knew that question was going to come. And how am I going to deal with this? And he's sitting there. What was the, the picture he came up with? And it was, it was this right here. So can you guys see what this is? Probably not. Probably not. This is uh, an acorn, okay? It's a little baby acorn. And uh, I've been learning about what acorns are. And I'm telling you, I got, uh, I got this, um, this idea from Tim Mackey. And then, you know, Paul is talking about seeds here. But uh, what's special about a seed? You know what? Like, what makes this little thing so magnificent? So, so I was just thinking about that, and it's like these things are really unexpected. You know, you see this little small thing, and you see what it fell from. You know, this thing fell from a humongous red oak tree in my yard. This tree in my yard is probably about 70 years old, and it is huge. And so you think, like... This little thing holds so much potential, doesn't it? This thing could just fall on the floor in here and it never do anything other than just be a little acorn that's super cute, you know? Um, but under the right circumstances, this thing can be changed into something magnificent, something glorious. So you think about how does that happen? And I'm going to state the obvious here. Let's go through the process. This thing falls from a tree. Somehow, once it's fell out of that tree, it gets pushed down into the earth. Then moisture comes and this hard nut gets soft. And it unlocks or activates something in its DNA that says, okay, it's time to start growing. And once it starts growing... You know, it sprouts and a little stem comes up and a little root goes down and it, you know, and it starts going the way it should. And if conditions to go on, like continue to be good for it, 
in 70 years, or maybe, you know, let's just say in a couple years it gets bigger and bigger, and then one day it becomes this behemoth, this thing that I can't put my arms around that is, that, that is completely different from what it started out as. So this is the question. Is this the same thing as an oak tree? Is this acorn the same thing? So, so depending on how you look at it, you know, right off the bat, you're like, no, they have two different names. This is an acorn. That's an oak tree. All right, Ben, you're dumb. Like, think about it. But think about it, too, in the sense that, yes, it is also the same thing, that if you were to drill into that oak tree and you got down at the very base of it and you drilled in deep enough, that that little stem and that little thing that came from here, the big oak, and this little acorn share the same DNA, the same makeup. You could, you could take it back to this. That's pretty amazing. The same but different. So Paul must have been thinking about Jesus, right? He must have been considering, who do I know that has been resurrected? And he's one of the few people, there were probably a hundred people, a couple hundred people that, that saw Jesus or got to be around Jesus after he was resurrected, which is pretty awesome. I, like, none of us have that experience. But when he thought about Jesus, he said, okay, he was the same but different, right? When he came and, and um, doubting Thomas, right, he came up and he said, come look. I'm the same man. I've got holes in my hand, holes in my feet. He was recognizable, right? You could tell who he was. He was the same but different. He still had a body. But then again, he was doing some suspicious things. Like he'd be there and then he'd just disappear, right? Time and space were, had some different, he, like he was able to move in a way that was not the same that normal people could move. Something had changed. He was in a body that could no longer die. I don't know if they tested that out or something. He's like, hey guys, check this out. You know, and <laughs> I don't know. But he was in a body that couldn't die. He also appeared to people and glowed and radiated. You think about Paul's experience, it blinded him. I don't blind anybody. <laughs> Maybe my offensive smell. I don't know. Um, but he was the same Jesus, but changed, but different. And this is hard to understand. Like, there's... There's something, there, there's aspects about this we're going to have to wait and see because we don't really know, but Paul's doing his best here. And let's, let's just read through this again. This is what we can expect. But some will say, how were the dead raised? What kind of body will they have when they come? Foolish one. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you are not sowing the future body, but only a seed. Perhaps of wheat or another grain or an acorn. But God gives it a body as he wants. And to each and to each of the seeds its own body. Not all flesh is the same flesh. There is one flesh for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. So our bodies are like a seed. A seed that's being planted. And for us to become that giant oak, that changed body, that, that body like Jesus' body, it says we first have to die. And we realize that our body is, 
perishable. I guess that's a good word. It's like we have an expiration date. Like the older you get, the like you realize that this is things are changing in you and things are getting a little more creaky and it becomes a little more hard to move. And and that's to be expected. We are all that same way. But for like the first step, the same with the seed, we have to be buried. We have to die for us to come back out and be changed. And I think it's interesting, we've got to consider that he's talking about that we're not going to come back a ghost or a spirit. He says very clearly that we'll have a spiritual body. You know, to, to think that when we die, that we just kind of turn into a spirit and we're just kind of out in the ether, like whatever, that's not what he's saying. He actually, I think that's when he refers to us, if we go back to 20, Verse 20 says, of those who have fallen asleep. There's a, I, like, there's a reason why he says that. Is that it's this idea of that when we die, we're waiting. We're just sleeping down there for someday for us to come back. Is that different from what you had thought or what you're expecting? I don't know. I mean, I, this is something that this is, this is interesting to talk about. I think we've got to really, these are the areas where we've got to go back and really dig into who is God. What does he really, like, what does he really want? What, is, what are his real expectations? And, um, and we've really got to seek who God is because, like, well, there's a lot of truth in here. And, and the way he wants it is different than the way we want it. And there's just, I, I feel like I got to keep saying that because I'm wrestling with the, my preconceived notions about how this all should come together. So we're talking about what, what we can expect. We know that we've got to die. We know that we will be changed, that, that there will be, there's an old body and there will be a new body. Let's keep reading here, because I, I think there's an aspect to this I want to keep talking about. It says, not all flesh is the same flesh. This is 39. There is one flesh for humans, another flesh for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. You think about their skin, the scales or the feathers or the fur, all that stuff. They're all different. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is different from that of the earthly ones. There is a splendor of the sun, another of the moon, and another of the stars. For one star differs from another star in splendor. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. Sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. And so we got to stop right there because a word was mentioned four times. And you may not know what that word is. You may say, well, there's one word that was mentioned three times. And that word is splendor. Splendor, splendor, splendor. And then actually in 43, glory is the, ex the exact same word there. And that word is doxa in Greek. And we're going to get fancy there. And what that word means, it can mean... Glory, brightness, magnificence, excellence, majesty. And, and this word is actually used a lot in the Bible. It's used quite a bit. It also can mean an exalted state. And so talking about the splendor of the stars and all of that business, that is like, you can be like, okay, you've completely lost me now. So we're going to just glow or what, what is the deal? <coughs> Let's go back to the seed for a second. Does the seed know what plant it will become? Think about that nut. I mean, does this thing know what it is? Like, can it comprehend that it is an acorn? No. Let's extrapolate that out. Can it, 
Can it comprehend what it will become? Like when this thing falls in and the conditions are becoming perfect for it to grow and sprout, does it, does it comprehend that one day it will be a large oak? Can it comprehend that one day birds will perch in its branches and make their home there and squirrels will scurry about and make their nests and eat from it? Or that it will provide shade for my house? Can that little seed comprehend the glory that it will become someday? No. I think in the same way, this is why this is such a great analogy, because there's an aspect of this is that we can't comprehend, like the, we, our minds weren't made to comprehend and know the glory that will come how beautiful it will be and how special we will we will be and so we have to like he's he has to dumb it down to this okay our skin's going to be different in the same way my skin's different to a fish's skin you know or like my fur and a bear's fur are different like that's a just know it's going to be different and know that the like He's, he uses words splendor that it's going to be like the shining, like the difference between the shining sun and the shining stars. There's a difference, I guess. They all shine differently. The moon shines differently than the sun and they reflect light and all, there's all this stuff. He's just saying it's going to be awesome. <laughs> you know, it's going to be glorious and, and we may not comprehend this same word is used in Acts 22. It says, as I was traveling near Damascus about noon, an intense light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. We jump forward to 11. Since I couldn't see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. That is the same word that he's using now describing Jesus coming down, that the light that shone off Jesus was so bright that it had blinded him. One day we're going to be glorious. It's going to be awesome. And we will shine like that. That's not the only time that that's used. Let's continue reading on. It says, Sown in weakness, raised in power, sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. We will change. The weakness of this life will change into power. The things that are corruptible will be incorruptible. The natural body, this body, will be raised a spiritual body. And then he goes on here, says, if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. Then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth and made of dust. The second man is from heaven, like the man made of dust. So are those who are made of dust, like the heavenly man, so are those who are heavenly, and just as we have borne the image of the man made of dust, we will also bear the image of the heavenly man. And so I think, I think what he wants us to hear here is that we will bear the image of God one day. And, and I, know, I, just, I know reading that, you're like, oh, the first man, the last man, there's a lot. Like, we could go down a rabbit hole, and I encourage you to do that. You know, just search on the internet. Do a Google search about this scripture and you can find charts. What are the differences between Adam and of Jesus and how they relate? And I think the point he's trying to get at is we've born an image and we will bear another image. First John 3, 1 through 3. Look at how great a love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now, 
and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And I think that this is, this is a good transition point. Again, we are talking about one day bearing his image. But the idea of this starts here. It starts now. What is of this earth cannot inherit the image of God that awaits us. We see here what our starting point is not what we have to look forward to. Change is good. Change is scary, but change is good. Those things that oppose God have to be removed before we can bear his image, before we can enter into the new Eden, the new creation, the new heaven and the new earth. So let's talk about that idea for a second. I think a great place to start, I think, is uh, at the beginning of 1 Corinthians. Let's turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 3. And this here is, who knew that he'd be teeing this up here at the end of it? Verse 10 says, according to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. But each one must be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that has been built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, it will be lost, but he will be saved. Yet it will be like an escape through the fire. I know that's a little scary, but uh, what's he talking about? Jesus has laid a foundation and we're building upon it. And we're building to one, one day receive this future hope. And he's saying, we are all going to have to give an account for what we built in this life. Some of those things will carry on to the next life. And some of those things will be burned away. And I think that that's like, that's what Paul's getting at. The incorruptible or the corruptible cannot inherit the incorruptible. The corruptible has to be removed so that what's true and what is eternal will carry on and I like that idea I like this idea that I'm building something right now that will carry on into the next life I can wrap my arms around that idea just like the seed where that that outer shell the acorn has to get soft and and like it rots and then it activates something inside for it to to blossom into this new thing We're building something in this life and then the outside has to be burned away and what's remaining will carry on. And I love that. But it says there, we've got to be careful how we build. We've got to build with care. We've got to consider what materials we're using. And I don't know about y'all, I read this and sometimes it's saying, Oh, we got to build with gold and costly stones and not with wood. I'll tell you guys, I love wood cabins. I think they're pretty awesome. I'd be pretty satisfied if that was built. You know, I think, like, tell me, why do we use, 
Why do we use drywall in our house? We use it because it doesn't burn well. You know, it stops fires. You know, and, and, and there's a reason why we have different types of materials that we use. And we've got to be thoughtful about the materials that we're putting in our life, the things that we're using to build with. And I really, this, this analogy is tough for me because he's, this is super simple. I like to overcomplicate it because I like to build stuff. But you get the right materials and then you have the right techniques with that, man, you can build some beautiful things. But I've also seen people who have the right materials who don't know how to build well and they build junk, you know, and it just topples over and is no good. I'm probably taking this way deeper than what Paul wanted to say, but I like it, and so we're going to keep on carrying on with it. I'm preaching. Um, so, like, and, and I'm not going to go, like, we got to have the right materials when we build and the right techniques. When you build something using those two things, People have built things that have been around for generations and generations and generations. And that's the idea. When you think about your life and when you, like, consider what we talked about last week. I'm going to step into the arena and battle these, these beasts in my life. We're talking about building things that are imperishable. Things that will stand up when they're put to the test. How are you building right now? Do you have your future hope in mind as you're building? I urge you to build with care. Be thoughtful. Ask for help. Go to the Bible for instruction. And we've got to remember that what we have built will be tested. There is a fire coming, and it's for all of us. For some of us, it will just burn away the love handles, you know? If we like, we've been working out, and there's some, it's going to burn off just some of the, the stuff, and there will be a lot left. For others, it will burn almost everything up, and you'll be like you're just barely skating in. Now, I'll be honest. I'd, I'd still like to be that guy making it through. But I really, I don't want to bank on that. I want to bank on being the guy that is built, like, built on the foundation in a good way. And I, like, I, I don't feel like I need to preach another sermon on being refined. But that's like this idea, is that we're being changed in this life. And we're, like, beginning this process, like, we're, we're practicing it through the death, burial, and resurrection here. But that's building up to what's to come after life. Like, it starts now. It starts now, and it's something that we are going to build upon. And just like what we're building now, the stuff that can't be with God will leave, and then God will transform that into something with splendor. Daniel 12, 1 through 3, has this vision and, um, about what the end times might be like. And it says, At that time, Michael, the great prince who stands watch over our people, will rise up. This is Daniel 12, 1 through 3. There will be a time of distress such as never has occurred since nations came into being until that time. The fire will come. But at that time, all your people who are found written in the book will escape. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will wake. Some to eternal life and some to shame and eternal contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the bright expanse of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Right there at the end, he's, it's the same word for splendor. It's that same idea trying to get across. What can we expect? There will be a devastation. There will be a great fire 
that will refine us. It will strip away everything that God cannot be around. Expect it. It's going to happen. And if you want to, like, another resource, read the parable of the wheat and the weeds. This is like he talks about this same thing when he explains it afterwards. Those that cause sin will be thrown into the fire. The righteous will come out on the other side. And I, I think what I love about this is it, it builds on, on that idea. Those who are wise... Those who are wise in this life will end up shining like the expanse of the heavens. And that's like, that's one level. You have people that are wise and they're like, man, that is glorious. Like the idea of one day, the only way I know to explain it is that you will shine bright. You will shine. But those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. What we do in this life carries over into the next. We're not just going to float away and there's... No, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And when we come back, we can expect that it will be glorious. And so right now we're going to take communion. And I want us to consider... What have we learned about God? Who is God? We know that there are certain things that he can't be around. You know, and those things have to be shed off if we're going to be with him someday. And without Jesus, like we learned from that video, like that's how we have a connect. That's how we can be in his presence. Is through becoming his disciple, being baptized. We're washing his blood and we have this connection and that's going to carry on. We, we've learned that God gives plants a body as he sees fit and that he'll give us a heavenly body as he sees fit. What we build in this life is going to carry on to the next if we build well will be the same but changed as Jesus was the same and changed. So, what I'd like us to do as we take communion is talk about how we'll build this week in the hope of having those things continue on in the next life. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.